You only have one life to live, so get the most out of it. On Good Life, Great Life, join me, Brian Highfield, and my guests as we share success stories, habits, mindsets, and lessons learned by successful people. These lessons are not taught in schools, but are critical for getting ahead in life. Whether you want a successful business or career, optimal health, or a lifestyle that most people just dream of, Good Life, Great Life has you covered. After retiring from a successful corporate career in my 40s, I founded multi-million dollar businesses in the sports and healthcare arenas. Now, I help everyday people maximize their lives and speak regularly at seminars, on podcasts, and radio shows to share principles on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Don't let a good life get in the way of a great life. Join me today on Good Life, Great Life. Awesome. Well, welcome to another episode of Good Life, Great Life. And today we have Ted Santos. Ted is the CEO of the Turnaround Investment Partner. So welcome to the program, Ted. Hey, great. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. For sure. We're happy to have you. And uh, I know our audience wants to get to know you a little bit. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown of your, your background and what you're all about? Sure, sure. So I, in the early part of my career as a sales trainer, I, I took that experience into uh, corporate America. And as a COO, <clears throat> I, I ran uh, my first company I ran was a transportation company. It was growing so fast, it was falling apart. So, you know, the, the, actually the training I had uh, in sales training, and I, I guess I had a really good understanding of human behavior, allowed me to stabilize a company that was growing so fast it was falling apart <clears throat> and, and then increase the growth tra trajectory. So I uh, later ran another company that was on the opposite end, you know, three years of declining revenue in an industry that was growing like bank gangbusters. So, you know, it takes a lot of hard work to make uh, declining revenues in a growing industry. So I turned that was a turnaround. And now I'm, I'm an advisor to CEOs. So I, I am, you could say I'm in the business of producing miracles. <laughs> and that's, that's my job now. Uh, and CEOs hire me when they are looking to produce a breakthrough and not sure how to do it with existing resources. So uh, one of the things I do is work with the CEO and executive team to create what I call disruptive strategies. Uh, and those disruptive strategies allow them to make quantum leaps. It could be penetrating untapped markets. But then you have to transform corporate culture to ensure the organization profitably executes that breakthrough initiative. Because in most organizations, breakthrough initiatives fail. They go over time. They go over budget. So how do you ensure that your culture and its, you know, its uh what its status quo uh, corporate culture is doesn't work against this breakthrough initiative, which may be disruptive. It could be disruptive technology, but almost in every case, it's uh, kind of like the Apple computer coming up with the iPod. It's like, why are we doing this? We don't make these, you know, why? And now we're making phones, so that could be disruptive, but turns out to be a quantum leap for the company. I mean, just the title, disruptive. I mean, are are CEOs open to disrupting what they're already doing? I mean, maybe, maybe they are because it's it's failing as it is, right? So, so my I have a methodology. I actually created it. I call it the disruptive leadership model, <clears throat> and and in it, I say if you're a CEO and you are not intentionally creating problems, you should either be fired or retrained, because that is a major part of your job. I mean, uh, uh. 
of course, as a CEO, you want to create the, the environment that allows people to perform. You provide resources and training and, uh, and you make sure you have an environment where people are co collaborating. But if you're not intentionally creating problems and, and a lot of people say, well, Steve Jobs was just different and he was brilliant, but he was a master at intentionally creating problems for the organization to solve. And once they solved it, you had some breakthrough, something they had never done before. Uh, you could say IBM and Tom Watson Jr. and first creating the mainframe computer. That was a breakthrough for IBM. Uh, and, and that actually went over budget and it went over time. But he said, you know, we're going to make this happen. And it did. Um, Walt Disney is another, you know, there, there are companies and we know those CEOs to be great. Howard Hughes uh, and flying and, and making movies. You know, these are all gentlemen who are leaders and created problems for the organization to solve. And once it was solved, it impacted it. it for one, it altered the company's future forever. And it altered and disrupted the industry and forced others to follow. So, and, and it sounds like an approach that's, that's kind of counter to what a lot of CEOs do. They they think their job is there to make make sure things run smoothly. And and here, you know, your your methodology is no. Let's let's create some disruption so that we can have some innovation inside your company. Exactly, exactly. So, and and it's it's very much a mindset. So, you know, just think the way we are when you tell people, hey, I'm here to help you create problems. It's like, you know, people are like, you know, go away, man. I'm I'm here to solve problems. That's I'm sure they made a, fa a funny face when you said that. Yeah. Why? It's like you hired me and you thought you hired me as a consultant to help you solve problems. And you didn't realize you hired me to help you create problems. So when you train everyone in the organization to be able to intentionally create problems, what you do is you get everyone in the company. Two things happen. They create their own breakthrough initiatives that uh, increase commitment. You know, people talk about employee engagement, but it also causes them to have to develop new skills and competencies to execute that, that uh, project. Uh, it's something that pulls them out the proverbial comfort zone, uh, but it's a, a high level of accountability because you created it and you may have to get other people in your organization to support you. So now you have collaboration, like, so all these great things. So it's not, so instead of creating change for the sake of change, you have people rally around an initiative like John F. Kennedy sending a man to the moon uh, that that created a culture and an environment to produce something that had never been done. But the other thing that it does is when you have things like COVID or uh, changes in the competitive landscape or the economic, you now have a mindset that's more nimble. So if you can deal with intentionally creating problems when problems come from the outside that you had no control over, your mindset is now instead of, oh my God, a problem, let's, let's get rid of it or find a culprit. You know, it's not my fault. You now are engaged in managing the problems and have a, a calmer and better perspective about um, uh, uh, dealing with chaos, disruption. And, and so you can look at opportunities a lot easier. So I do. Uh, I mean, how important is company culture and, and how is how does that get get changed? I mean, is there resistance to change and, and how they've been doing things and, and how do you create that culture that fosters innovation and fosters uh, rallying around uh, a common cause uh, like you're describing? So uh, it's sort of analogous to Navy SEAL training. And, and I don't take people out to the ocean and drown them. And uh -huh. I don't do that. Uh, but what you're essentially training people to do is, is to be a, 
is to master chaos. And to master chaos, you have to master yourself. So he who masters chaos masters life. And so when you look at Navy SEALs, that is, you could, most people see it as, oh, they're just trying to break them down and then build them up. It's no, they're getting them to break through these limiting beliefs so that when chaos, when things happen, they're more stable and they can make you know, decisions in the face of anything, breakdowns, problems, chaos. So a Navy SEAL, you can intentionally give them a problem and they'll come out on the other end with a solution or, or a mission accomplished. So when you train your organization in that, so that people break through, we have blind spots, we have limiting beliefs. There are things that we believe that we think are just reality and, and there's nothing you can do. Like you hear people say, it is what it is and there's nothing you can do about it. Or this is the way I am and there's nothing I can do about it. So I, I'm not there to you know beat people over the head or have them swim 10 miles and drown 10 uh -huh. times. Uh, it's taking people through exercises, through conversations that have them rethink what they call reality. So do you have uh, maybe a success, a success story that you can share of something uh, where you've went in and helped the company can just kind of give some color to, to what you're describing and, and in a real life uh, practical scenario? Sure, sure. Um, I could give you uh, an individual and a company. I'll, I'll, and the individual will be quickly. Uh, gentleman was uh, early 60s, and people say old dogs don't learn new tricks, right? So early 60s, uh, CPA by profession, and now working in the mortgage company. And every day he went to work expecting to be fired. Uh, within three months, he doubled, he doubled his productivity. And then over the next three months, he doubled that. So now, instead of him going to work expecting to be fired, they're calling him into the office and saying, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. Uh, and one of his competitors started courting it, actually three of his competitors. And he jumped ship and went to a better company and, and got, so that's an example of a guy who was failing. And now, you know, this is a breakthrough. Uh, another one is a company that is in the consumer uh, goods and they had, this was a family run business, third generation and, you know, people say third generation doesn't always do well. Uh, so they actually were doing well. And they had been making their own products under their own brand for years. And so a breakthrough for them was to start making products for other people that didn't have their brand on it. Or uh, it, 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 whether it for a, a big box retailer or a, you know, a startup that was selling to big box retailers. So uh, doing that allowed them to add uh, like tens of millions of dollars to the top line. And, and that money, that revenue would have never been gained in their, their old business model. So we didn't destroy what they were doing, but we disrupted the organization and they started producing products that they had never done. They had to buy new equipment. Uh, there, there was new training. So it was very disruptive to the organization. And people initially were saying, why are we doing this? We make our own products. Why are we doing stuff for other people? Uh, but it, it, it drove top line and, it, and they continue to grow through that. So let's talk about another form of disruption because we were talking before the interview and you, you were telling me about the impact that divorce has mm -hmm. on companies. And in fact, you even wrote a book related to this. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Do you mind if I show the book? Yeah, absolutely. Go okay. ahead. So 
the book is uh, Here's Why You Can't Find Love. And <clears throat> even though the, the title is about relationships, uh, it is, it's very much to solve. I wrote it to solve a problem. So uh, corporate America is losing $300 billion a year because of divorce. And what they've, there are studies that show that productivity of the individual drops by 50 to 75 percent when you are dealing with divorce and that's not counting days off to deal with court and other financial <clears throat> but if you think about it a percentage of your population is headed for divorce the couple is in you know they're arguing another percentage is in the middle and another percentage just came out so that's a lot of people if you're in a large organization that could be in one of those three buckets and they are distracted uh, so they're not performing very well at work and companies are losing money. On the flip side, the studies show couples in healthy relationships actually are better at collaborating at work and much better at resolving conflict. So if, if you can, and going back to what we were talking about, if you can develop the skills to resolve conflict at work and then apply them at home, you're going to have a better home life and then you'll go to work with a better state of mind and you'll have a better work life and you'll take that back home. So it becomes self-perpetuating. So I, I wrote the book to help people develop the skills and understand conflict resolution uh, and I, how people sabotage uh, their relationships. And that could be relationships at work, but you know, we're, we're, you can easily transfer the stories uh, from, from the book into your work life or even personal life. Uh, the book is literally about myself and five women. I was at a party and at the end of the night, these five women just start hitting me with a barrage of questions about relationships and what about this? Or oh, you're a guy and there's lots <laughs> of pushback in the end. And I'm saying things that are counterintuitive. They're like, no, no, Ted. Uh, but it, so the book literally takes the reader on a journey of transformation. So you go on a ride with these women. Uh, it's almost like a, reading a, a workshop. Wow. No, it, it sounds very, very intriguing. Um, I mean, you work with a lot of companies that are existing and they, they, they've now incurred some problems. They, they may be failing. Um, talk about startups uh, and, and maybe some advice you have for, for people just getting started with business. What are some pitfalls that they really need to, to avoid when just getting started? So if you're, you're in a uh, company and you decide to go out on your own, one of the challenges is a lot of people are comfortable in a company. One, you know you're receiving a check every mm -hmm. week that they want. The second is usually the company has some sort of organizational structures for you to follow and for everyone else to follow you. When you start your own, you are the organizational structure. So whatever you set up is what there is. And if you set up nothing, uh, then if you start hiring employees, they'll start setting them up. And it usually will be kind of haphazard because everyone's setting up things in their own best interests. Uh, and that, that could end up turning into a toxic culture because people are there for their own best interest as opposed to you setting up uh, the structures. So that, that is something uh, entrepreneurs need to really be cognizant of uh, because one of the things I find in companies there, you have these written policies and yes, we follow them. And then there's these verbal policies, but then there are these unspoken policies that can override all the other policies. Uh, but no one really talks about it. It becomes like the dead elephant in the room and you can't, <laughs> no one discusses it. So, so you really have to watch 
for the structures that are set up. Uh, you, you, if you depend on your employees to create the culture, you're, you're, you're delegating something that only you as an entrepreneur can do. And, and I caution uh, entrepreneurs from that. Good stuff. Um, you know, a lot of a question I like to ask a lot of people um, uh, is about mentorship. Uh, did you did you have mentors when you were getting started and and growing your business, or do you have a, a, a mentor still? Uh, I did. So um, interesting, you ask that because I actually created something called the Board of Veteran CEOs, and and in that, what I literally did is I reached out to former CEOs of Fortune 500s, and I mean. I had former CEOs of Xerox, Chase Bank, Dun & Bradstreet, Harris Hotel and Casinos, um, New York Stock Exchange. And I, I do these uh, roundtable discussions with middle market CEOs, meaning their revenues were between $100 million and $2 billion. And we, I set up an entire structure for these meetings and then private meetings later where there could be a, the, exactly that, that mentorship, the coaching. Because if you think about the CEO, it's lonely at the top. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're a middle market, who do you who do you speak to? Uh, so I figured the best expert CEO would be some guy who went from middle market to Fortune 500, and he understood all the pitfalls and the problems that that would be had. So matching them up, and and you know, middle market companies are a bigger catalyst for the U.S. economy than most people realize. Uh, the last recession of 2009, the middle market pulled us out. Like, mm -hmm. I think 40% of small businesses failed. Corporate America laid off like 3.8 million, sorry, million people. And middle, middle market companies grew in the face of that. And so they are the ones who pulled us out. And most likely, they've been doing this for forever, but they don't really get recognized. Uh, they have a lot of the same challenges as a Fortune 500, but they don't have a budget to hire uh, a board of directors where you're, you know, you're paying enormous amounts or, or paying McKinsey to come in. Uh, you can't pay $500,000 to a you know, COO to do the job. So you have to be creative. Uh, and they are the middle market is, is, is really an amazing sector of our economy. I think you're exactly right. And there's there's a lot of household name brand companies that came out of that, that era. And and I tend to feel that people uh, when when they're when their back's against the wall, like that recession, the you know, the great recession put us in in 2009 uh, with the housing and the banking uh, market crash. Um, right. People's backs were against the wall, and that forced them to be innovative and go out and and create right. that. And it, it created small businesses. Medium businesses grew, and uh, it really pulled us out of that, like you're saying. Absolutely. And so in, in that structure, I, I had access to a lot of former CEOs that, you know, I just, hey, Bob, wanted to talk to you about something. And uh, so I, I had access to a lot of experienced uh, people that I could just sort of bounce ideas or, or you know, so yes, so I, I've had that. And I love that. It's a phenomenal idea is to put together a, a group of people like that, because you're right, it is lonely at the top. I mean, who would a CEO reach out to if they really need some yeah. advice and, and some help? Um, and yeah. I think that's a great form that I, I love that idea. And, and if you think about it, and many of them have boards of directors, some of these middle market are publicly traded. So they have a board of directors. So 
as a CEO, do you say to your board, I really have no idea what I'm doing in this, but now you can go to this former CEO and say, hey, I'm, I'm a little confused about this. I'm not sure what to do. And you can get great feedback. And then you go to your board and you're like, yeah, I, I've, here's what I'm going to do. But it's, you know, based on conversations you've had with some uh, a more senior person. For sure. Uh, we're almost out of time here, but how can our audience uh, get in touch with you or learn more about the Turnaround uh, Investment Partners? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn under Ted Santos. Uh, I, you can send me an email at tsantos, S-A-N-T-O-S, at turnaroundip, and IP is like intellectual property. Uh, turnaround IP, tsantos at turnaroundip.com. <clears throat> um, we have a number 888-471-3660. And uh, yes, I'm, you know, uh, I'd love to engage people about uh, some of the challenges they have. And if you're looking for a breakthrough and not sure how to get there, uh, I'd love to sit down and, and talk about how to uh, help you get there. Great stuff. Well, uh, our guest has been Ted Santos, who's the CEO of the Turnaround Investment Partners. We really appreciate uh, your participation today, Ted. Uh, it's been a great conversation. And uh, thank you again. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.